In today's episode of the Optimal CEO Podcast, I'll be sharing with you what you need to know about managing an undiagnosed thyroid condition that may, in fact, save your life. So stay tuned to find out how. Here at the Optimal CEO Podcast, we help CEO entrepreneurs who love taking ownership of their wellness journey because they know it's their most prized investment. And when their state of wellness is at its peak, their income soars. We want to help relieve CEO entrepreneurs from the pressure of unnecessary health exposure so they can be highly focused on growing their business and physically optimized for the journey so they can enjoy getting there. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Brown, and I'd like to personally welcome you to today's podcast episode. Thank you for joining me. So last week, I spoke in detail about the various boxes that people get put into by the traditional medical system. And it's not really the fault of the traditional medical system so much as it is an issue with insurance companies and the codes that they require and the reimbursement and big pharma, pharmaceutical companies. One of the boxes that I spoke about was the fact that a person had actually gone to their primary care provider, had their lab work checked. They had told their primary care provider that they had been started on this natural thyroid hormone and their provider actually got upset and said, that's dangerous stuff. You shouldn't be taking natural thyroid. You need to be on this particular thyroid, but let me check your lab work and make sure you needed it in the first place. So I'm going to be talking a little bit about that and What is the difference between natural versus synthetic thyroid hormones? But before I get there, I want to actually go into the more detail about specifics related to what causes a thyroid to be subclinical anyway. And I think it's important for even lay people to understand this, uh, much less medical people who are treating people with thyroid conditions. So let's get started. One of the things that I typically see is that a person will struggle with subclinical hypothyroid or low thyroid issues, meaning they have all the symptoms of low thyroid, yet their thyroid numbers appear to be normal. They're just on the low end of normal. And last week I said, you know, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck, meaning if it sounds like low thyroid, if it looks like low thyroid, it's probably low thyroid we're dealing with. Well, there's one particular case where that might not be true. In some cases, it could be related to cortisol being out of balance. Now, this can be a little bit difficult to tease out, but it's fairly easy to obtain the the lab work uh, to get this done through a simple saliva test where you collect four different uh, saliva measurements over the course of a 24-hour period. And once you get those results back, then you can see whether or not this person, in fact, has some type of cortisol insufficiency. They're not producing enough or they're actually producing too much. In many cases, both of those examples can interfere with proper thyroid function. And it's not that you don't address the thyroid, but you address the cortisol as well. Now, that being said, the next thing that can interfere with thyroid function and create a subclinical hypothyroid state is low vitamin D. I started to say extremely low vitamin D, uh, but it can just be low vitamin D. The interesting thing was is that the limits for what is considered appropriate levels of vitamin D was actually lowered 
some years ago, and it was actually kind of surprising. Now anything 30 or over is considered normal. Typically, when I check people's vitamin D hormone, I'll typically see that around the 30 range if they're going to be hovering right there. So it begs the question, what do you do with a vitamin D level that's 31, 32, 33? Well, you go ahead and treat it because from a functional medicine standpoint, when it comes to the thyroid gland, the thyroid gland responds to vitamin D better when the levels are up between 50, 60, 70, 75, 80, somewhere along in there. It's considered high vitamin D when it goes over 100. And if you want to find out more about vitamin D, you can listen to that uh, previous episode that I did specifically on vitamin D. But that's not the point here. The point is, is that low vitamin D can actually make your thyroid not function properly. The way that comes into play is your body, uh, your thyroid gland produces mostly uh, thyroxine or T4. And T4 has to convert to the usable form T3. Vitamin D is an essential part of that process for the conversion. It also is essential for usage of the thyroid hormone at the cell receptor site, meaning at the terminal end. So thyroid has effects all over the body. It has effects on the blood vessel, bone tissue, brain tissue, lung tissue, heart tissue. The list goes, lymphatic tissue, the list goes on and on and on. But all of those tissue types have different receptors and vitamin D has effect at those receptor sites and facilitates the bonding and the usage of, of vitamin D, the acquisition of vitamin D, and just makes a person healthier and makes their thyroid levels healthier. Healthier. Another issue that we typically see when we're dealing with subclinical hypothyroidism is anemia of some kind. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that you'll see a person with changes on their blood count, the hemoglobin or the hematocrit, uh, won't necessarily change, but what you will see is you'll see iron levels that'll be really, really low. They're still in the normal range, but they're low. You'll see ferritin levels, which is your stored iron, that are really, really low. And uh, that just means that if a person were to be involved in an accident or some kind of trauma or become really, really ill, uh, like a really protracted pneumonia or something, you when under stress, you use iron. And to help repair and heal without it, without those storage, the stored iron, the ferritin, you're not, you don't have the pool of resources to draw from. So in this particular case, we'd want to make sure that this person is taking some iron. Now, you may want to do that conservatively. I typically, depending on where a person is, will do iron three times a week just to gradually get their iron stores up. Iron tends to cause people nausea and things like that. So there are some workarounds around that. But typically, if we dose it three times a week with a meal, we tend to do pretty good in getting the iron levels up gradually and helping thyroid function. But low iron or iron deficiency, anemia, or those types of things will actually contribute to subclinical hypothyroidism. Another type of anemia is low B12. And this, I think it probably boils down to methylation. Uh, the methylation issues, we know poor methylators tend to have more subclinical hypothyroidism. And if I'm speaking Greek to you, I'm talking about a specific type of uh, genetic insufficiency called MTHFR. And those changes or those abnormalities uh, in MTHFR uh, can sometimes cause B12 levels to be low, folic acid levels to be low. And if we see these levels dropping, 
typically the next thing I'm going to look for is, is the reverse T3 elevated? Another name for reverse T3 is antithyroid hormone. And it's exactly what it says. It is a competitive antagonist at the receptor site and that it will sit on the receptor site like a wet blanket and not allow your good T3, the usable T3, the free T3, to get on the receptor site to do its job. So what does that translate to? Well, that translates to I have a melancholy mood. I may be anxious. I may not be sleeping well. I may want to sleep all the time. I don't have any energy. I'm sluggish. I'm constipated. My nails are brittle. My hair is falling out. I have fatigue. I have brain fog. I have memory issues. All those can be symptoms of subclinical hypothyroidism. And typically, when we look at the thyroid markers and they look like they're pretty good, they fall in the quote-unquote normal range, but the person has all these symptoms, where do we start looking? Well, we look at cortisol, we look at vitamin D, we look at iron, we look at B12, and we look at reverse T3. And those are important things to remember in the setup going to then what do we choose to treat this? Well, like I said, if it's a cortisol issue, we're going we're gonna to help regulate the cortisol in some fashion or another. If it's too high, there are different herbs and things that we use to help control that and bring that down. If it's too low, there are also certain herbs and things that we can use to help support the adrenals so that they function more, uh, more healthy and they're able to uh, do what they're supposed to do. But when it comes time to choose the thyroid medication, a lot of times we're relegated in traditional medical realms to synthetic thyroid medication. It's a man-made version of T4, which is that thyroxine, the one that the, the, the hormone that your thyroid gland produces most of. Really and truly, it's more of a storage th thyroid hormone than anything. It's just kind of circulating around, waiting to be converted into the usable form. But synthetic thyroid medications are a man-made version of that T4. It's made in a laboratory where it is natural thyroid medication comes from animal sources. More specifically, natural thyroid medication will come from pork or beef glandular products. And they've been used for, for a very long time, decades and decades and decades upon decades, they've been used. However, big pharmaceutical industry brought synthetic thyroid medication to the market and trained a new generation of medical providers to base their decision for treatment only on one particular thyroid marker, and that was TSH and T4. Occasionally, you'll see people check T4 or free T4, but mostly they just they base their treatment on whether or not the TSH is normal. And I spoke last week in last week's episode about the problem with that is that there's been debate since 2002 and then a final decision made in 2012 to change those limits so that we're not diagnosing so many people with low thyroid. And, and you may be thinking that's not a bad thing. Well, it is because if we have undiagnosed thyroid, it can lead to things like brittle bones. If we have undiagnosed thyroid, it can lead to cardiovascular disease. If we have undiagnosed thyroid, it can lead to elevated cholesterol, which can cause problems later on down the road. So simply getting the thyroid treated can take care of these things. And then you may be thinking, okay, it's not so bad to have brittle bones. I fall, I break a bone. Sure, it hurts. I have surgery. I get it fixed. No, not necessarily so. Because if you look at people, uh, studies actually show people 65 years of age and older, if they're female, they're five times more likely to die within one year of a fracture. 
That's crazy statistics if you think about it. And if you're male 65 and older and you fall and, and break a bone, you're five times more likely to be debilitated and in a nursing home under care the rest of your life. I don't know about you, but those those odds are not good. So another thing I want to talk to you about when it comes to the whole argument of natural thyroid medications just aren't safe. You can go on the Food and Drug Administration website, and there's actually a letter published there related to a medication called Synthroid, which is a it's that synthetic T4. Now, Synthroid was the first synthetic to come on the market, and this particular letter points to Knoll Pharmaceuticals as the carrier of that. Now, I'm going to read you an excerpt from that letter. So here it is, quote, the history of potency failures indicates that Synthroid has not been reliably potent and stable. The difficulties in finding Synthroid to be generally regarded as safe and effective are compounded by the fact that its formula has been changed numerous times throughout, throughout its marketing history. Synthroid tablets have been manufactured using an overage of the active ingredient that has ranged in size over the last 35 years. An overage is the amount of active ingredient above 100% of the product's labeled potency at the time the finished product is tested and released. Such an overage is intended to compensate for potential loss of active ingredient by degradation while the product is stored and thus permits an extended shelf life for a product with poor stability profile. Synthroid has a long history of manufacturing problems. In August of 1989, Knoll Pharmaceuticals initiated a recall of 21 lots of Synthroid tablets because of the decrease in potency during stability studies, end quote. I know that was a long quote, but I wanted you to understand that Many times we're taught in our training and our medical training that natural thyroid medications are bad, synthetic are the best, they're the gold standard, they're what we have to use. Yet nobody in our medical training tells us about these recalls that have occurred. I mean, Null Pharmaceuticals in 1989, and you're thinking, God, that's a long time ago. Yeah, but the list goes on and on. If you get on the FDA website, you can actually take a look at all of the manufacturers of generic synthetic T4 have also had recalls. Ironically, when you compare that to natural thyroid medication, the number of recalls for natural thyroid medication have been extremely low. Like you can count on two hands the number of recalls there have been. Whereas when you look at the synthetic thyroid preparations, they've been recalled numerous times. So where did we go wrong in our thinking? I'm, I'm not sure. I think it's driven by greed. Now, I'm a compassionate capitalist, but this goes beyond compassion in my book. I'm a firm believer that capitalism is, is what keeps our society uh, wheels turning. But again, this goes beyond compassion. This, goes, this boils down to greed. So the bottom line is I wanted you to have a takeaway picture of what goes on when a person has subclinical hypothyroidism. What can they know or prompt their provider to look for? Is it cortisol? Is it vitamin D? Is it B12 levels, folic acid levels? Is it, is it iron levels? Is it reverse T3 levels? What can they do? And then when it comes time to be prescribed something, advocate for yourself being put on a natural thyroid medication. 
I think you'll notice a huge, well, I know you'll notice a huge difference. My clients that come to me with known thyroid issues, these aren't the folks that are guessing whether or not they have a thyroid issue. They know they do. They're on thyroid medication. They're on these synthetic thyroid medications, and they come to me, and we switch them over to a natural thyroid medication, and they usually come back within the first six weeks, and they go, oh my gosh, where's this medication been my entire life? It makes that big a difference, people. And the reason is, is because we are dependent on a really healthy human being, a perfect specimen to convert that synthetic T4 into a usable form. And it just doesn't happen. If you'll remember last week's episode, I spoke about the fact that starting around age 30, 35, we lose 1% to 2% per year, our ability to convert the thyroid that's produced into the usable form. So why would we want to give somebody a synthetic form of a hormone that we're poorly converting anyway because of age? It doesn't make sense. Now, that being said, do we throw a synthetic thyroid preparations out the window? Absolutely not. I actually find when you've got a younger person that's taken this medication, they'd actually do quite well. And it, it boils down to the fact if they're if they're not autoimmune, it boils down to the fact that I think that occurs because they're making that conversion quite readily. The unfortunate thing is as we age, we don't make that conversion. So I hope this has given you a little bit of perspective on thyroid medication. I know I harp on thyroid a lot. Thyroid is one of these things that is so easily treated if we learn how to diagnose it. And I'm just trying to get the message out there as best I can to the general public because it seems like my medical peers are slow in coming around. They're coming around. It's just very slow. And it's it's regional. You'll see pockets of areas in the country where when I go to conferences and I'm talking to a person, they'll go, oh, yeah, we do that all the time. I'm like, what area of the country are you in? Oh, we're in Seattle, Washington. Okay, I mark in my mind that Seattle's probably just a little bit more progressive. And they're starting to think outside the bars. They're starting to think more like uh, the detective that we're supposed to be when we're medical providers. So that's all I've got today. If you have any questions, my inbox is always open. Message me on Facebook or Instagram at The Optimal CEO, and I'll respond to you as quickly as I possibly can. I, I do get a lot of messages, so I take them in the order that they were received and kind of go through them one at a time. So naturally, uh, it may take me a minute to get back to you, but I will reply. If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, I encourage you to do so. It's life-changing what you can experience, what you can go through when you start getting everything in balance, your, your genetics in balance, your gut in balance, your hormones in balance, your thyroid in balance, your nutritional state. And so if you're interested in, in working with me, set up a phone call. Go to BrianGBrown.com and click the link at the top of the page that says work with Dr. B and fill out a really short 23 question questionnaire. And then I'll get back with you. Uh, my administrative assistant will get back with you and set up a time for us to do a phone call. And we'll just kind of go over th- everything that's going on. So that's all I've got for today. I'd like to thank you for joining me. Please tune in next time where I'll be discussing further those boxes that we get put into when it comes to feeling our best in midlife and beyond. Until next time, this is Dr. Brian Brown the Optimal CEO, signing off. I hope you have an optimal day. Here at the Optimal CEO Podcast, we help CEO entrepreneurs who love taking ownership of their wellness journey because they know 
It's their most prized investment. And when their state of wellness is at its peak, their income soars. We want to help relieve CEO entrepreneurs from the pressure of unnecessary health exposure so they can be highly focused on growing their business and physically optimized for the journey so they can enjoy getting there.